You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. God, I love the station. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. You are listening to The Supernatural Realm on WCET.FM. Triple W, late night in the Midlands.com. That's late night in the Midlands uh, radio network. And uh, our archives can be found on Spotify, Podbean, Podkicker, Acast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, CastBox, uh, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn and and also Player FM. You can find us just about everywhere. Uh, we're even live on um, uh, live, LiveParanormal.com and, and the TalkStream Live uh, website as well. Chip A, you there, my friend? I sure am, brother. Yes, every podcast known to humankind, yeah, we are on in some way, shape, or form. Great to be here with you, my brother. We got another marathon night, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. After after this great show, and boy, what a phenomenal guest we have. But we will, again, be guest hosting on the Late Night in the Midlands radio show from 9 to midnight Eastern time this evening. And this is awesome. But as long as we're on awesome, that's the perfect segue to our guest. Again, the power of Tim Roxbury. You find the coolest people, man. I don't know how you do it. No, I'm not jealous. I'm saying that out loud. Anyway, our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, beloved listeners, check this out. Our guest tonight is Victor Sykes. Now, Victor Sykes worked as a safety professional in the high-risk industry of industrial construction in Florida, and he learned to read the body language and mindsets of his co-workers to influence their behavior and guide the workers into making the right decisions and working safely. Victor Sykes continued to study how psychology and persuasion work practically in the real world. And from there, he branched out into learning more about the dark side of psychology and analyzing people. It's fascinating stuff. Victor Sykes will help us explain dark psychology and will share some tips and tricks to defending yourself against dark persuasion, brainwashing, NLP, and manipulative seduction. Although that last one I'm open for. I'm wide open for that one. <laughs> Give me some manipulative seduction any day. <laughs> Just don't tell my wife I said that. <laughs> anyway, it is our honor to introduce the wonderful Victor Sykes to Supernatural Realm tonight. And Timmy, I'm going to throw it to you so you can welcome the fantabulous Victor Sykes here at the Supernatural Realm Radio. Welcome to the show, Victor. It's great to have you. We've got a lot, of, a lot to talk about, and I'm sure we'll cover these next two hours uh, pretty quickly. I mean, it's the fastest two hours on radio here. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome. Welcome to the show. Victor, are you still there? Huh. Hmm. Oh, maybe he's m- muted. I don't know. Because it looks like Victor's with us. Yeah. 
Okay. Rick, are you with us? I bet he muted his mic. <laughs> yeah. See, I had the same thought. So, I'm not sure what's going on. I wish. Okay. Well, you know, that's why you're a producer and I'm not, see, because I, I don't multitask well. How's There's, that? Oh, oh, okay, there, there you are. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. No, that's okay. See, I do it all the time. You know, that's to me. It's the only time he can shut me up and during this radio show. <laughs> that's when I accidentally muted my mic. Yeah, but mind. that one time when you, you, I, you scared me, you, you didn't unmute your mic. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. like, up, up there's, the been, there's been a couple of those. Yeah. 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 Uh, is what it is, though. Yeah. But n not for any dark purposes, and you know, and dark psychology, Timmy. I mean, that's cool, right? That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, so how'd you get started in all this, Victor? I guess is our first question. Uh, well, growing up, I always had an interest in the body language. I was real big into playing poker, so oh. <laughs> I wanted to kind of learn how to decipher what people's the tells meant. Yeah, the right. tells. So nice. it kind of started there, and then, uh, like Chip had mentioned, as I got into working, I was working in that high-risk industry, and I realized that what I did and said to these people could really matter. And then understanding what they weren't saying, you know, could influence their actions. So I wanted to wanted to dig into it and see what I could learn to help these people work safely and do the right thing. That's a beautiful thing. What part of Florida did you, were you working in? I was, my last job was in Tampa. It was at a, an electrical plant, a coal power plant. Wow. And then I worked throughout Texas as well. Wow. Nice. So, yeah. See, Tim, on the road, road trip. Trip. <laughs> yeah. road trip, Timmy. You know? yeah, we got quite a few of those to go to next year, too. Yeah, I know, right? They're going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> Better get that car on the road, Chip. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, you know, just to, just to make a point because most people really don't realize uh, that ninety percent of our communication is nonverbal. Yeah. Even but even we but even really body language. The but even words and stuff. Yes. Go ahead. But even body language can sometimes be misconstrued. You know, that's you know, especially my relationship with my dad. I I would. You know, make a gesture of something, and he would take it totally different than it was intended for. So, mm, yeah. sometimes that can be a be an issue. I know it was with me. I know it is. My wife likes to use her middle finger to say hello to people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and boy, it's misinterpreted quite a bit. You know, just saying. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a common problem with body language because a lot of it's been really simplified to where. Mm. You know, someone will read something. If somebody does this, then it means this. Mm -hmm. But it's hardly ever that clear. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So what I found out, you need to find a baseline for people. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar, like some of the basic body languages. Someone's folded their arms and they're kind of closed off. It usually means they're kind of in the defensive mode. Mm -hmm. But for some people, that might be just their standard way to stand or to sit yeah it's like a comfort food they're insulating themselves in comfort not in defensive uh, mode right or yeah. it could be could even be environmental like mm. like picture somebody uh you know sitting on a bench and their arms are crossed they're kind of closed off their heads tucked in 
they look closed off, but if it's cold outside, then it's not quite so clear. <laughs> That's so, true, too. So you have to take a few things into consideration. It's not just black and white. Mm. Yeah, a lot of gray in there, Timmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Do you have any sort of um, empathic uh, intuitions or abilities that helped you read body language? Um, and do you think that I helps? don't think I don't think I was much of a natural. I really had to put work into it. Um, kind of growing up, I, I was never really great at just reading people. It was it was difficult for me, mm-hmm. and that's probably part of the reason why I wanted to dig into it and study to build that skill where I was lacking. Mm-hmm. But I know some people. I, I believe women are just naturally better at it than men. Mm-hmm. Well, they say women's intuition. You know, we always kind of give them the nod on that. <laughs> Uh, right. do, you, do you think on this kind of word question, but, you know, because you, industrial construction, I mean, there are life and death situations. So there's some adrenaline involved. Do you think that, you know, uh, being under that kind of risk factor and with the uh, aforementioned adrenaline uh, maybe help you learn to uh, quicker to read the other guys there on the job? Or is that just a bunch of hooey? <laughs> well, well, you're right. It definitely gave me some incentive because I saw that the implications were more important than if I was, you know, working in a library. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But like you said, there's it, it's a it's a tough job for these guys. They're out here. They're oftentimes working long hours, extremely mm. long hours. Yeah. They're tired. They're probably stressed out. Um, maybe they didn't sleep well last night. And then on top of this, they're doing a job where if they, they make the wrong move, they can hurt themselves or somebody else. Hmm. So so it's all that combined, the stress. And then oftentimes in this industry, the safety guy is the bad guy. You know, They're the guy that they don't want to deal with because I'm usually there to you know, tell them something Tried wrong. them. Yeah, scold yeah. them and try. Yeah. So, so that, was, that was kind of the first part of it. I had to win their trust. I had to not be that jerk like a lot of the safety guys were you have to you have to have people at least listen to you before you can influence them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and th- there was a mention at least uh in in at least one of the books that you have out and i've got in front of me uh, dark psychology mm-hmm. um as one how to analyze people mastering analyzation uh secrets of human psychology and influencing people and Influence human behavior, influencing attitude and choices, uh, persuasive speaking, and resisting persuasion. I've seen some taglines in these books about how to read people in seconds. It's kind of a body language method of speed reading, if you will. You know, and I wanted to ask you in, in terms of because uh, I, I I was telling uh, Victor off off air that you know I I'm in hypnotherapy I. I like past life regression hypnosis and stuff. And when you study hypnosis, uh, there's this thing called modeling. It's generally something that people are encouraged to do if they have a hobby or an interest or a career goal where you take the person that in your mind and heart is the most successful in whatever that hobby or business or industry is and uh, have them be your example, you know, model their behaviors, if you will. And non-verbally, 
when you can tell when two people are, are in, really engaged in a conversation because their stances, the way they stand with their, you know, hands on hips or arms crossed or, or whatever, is mirroring that of the other person. So you can kind of tell when two people are really engaged in a, a conversation because they're standing basically the same way. Um, using that as an example and these little bits of, of uh, hypnosis tips like uh, modeling and mirroring, uh, would that factor into this um, quick analysis of, of people, you know, that speed reading? Uh, it, I think I coined that accurately. <laughs> of course, you can correct me on that. But do you think that uh, that has something to do with helping one get that kind of technique? Yeah, I think so. Um, like you mentioned, the mirroring thing, thats uh, that even ties into NLP. Mm -hmm. um, but it, the speed reading, it really depends on what you're trying to figure out. Like, say, if I was in, uh, you know, doing the safety job and I want to talk to somebody and the first thing I want to know is, are they really paying attention or are they just kind of waving me off and they want to do their own thing? So what I learned is the most honest part of the body is the feet. The feet, hmm. feet Interesting. hardly ever lie. And with this, um, say you go up to talk to somebody. Now, how do they turn? Are they turned towards you so their feet are pointing towards you? Or are their feet kind of angled towards the other way or they're turning their body away? Which huh. means they don't want to be there. Hmm. And they're probably not listening. So you can hide your face. You can you know, hide the expressions on your face. You can mm -hmm. control your arms. People don't think about their feet, so... To me, wow. that's the most honest part of the body. That's a great tip. But it must be tough in a poker game, though. <laughs> Dipping <laughs> under the it, table a lot. <laughs> that's true. But, does, but there, is a, there is a tell even when you can't see their feet, and that's often the shaking leg. Victor, does wow. the same thing apply with... you can see that. Does Excellent the same thing tip. apply with uh, women crossing their legs if they're crossed towards you or away from you? Does the same yeah. thing apply with the feet? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Those... Signals are usually more accurate, you know, mm -hmm. as long as you take them in the right context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of trying to put it into the right context, often with their legs are spread apart, uh, that's a very accepting gesture. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, Timmy, trying yeah. to keep it PG here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for a long time, um, body language was, was, was rough for me. Even if somebody would say something, I would take it totally different than, uh, you know, than like, say, my mom would uh, interpret something. That someone says Sounds like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, because <laughs> you mentioned your father was doing that to you. So. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I got some of that, too, you know, some of those yeah. problems as well. I don't know. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's tough, and, and there are those things, uh, these things called micro-momentary facial expressions. That's yeah. another thing that can't lie, but you really have to be focused in <clears throat> on somebody. You know, if you say something that uh, upsets a polite person, <laughs> they may smile, but before that smile, for this, like, fraction of a second, <clears throat> they'll grimace at you, mm -hmm. you know? It's very fast. It's it's like they lift their nose up, you know, boom, in in like half a second. And if you weren't focused on it, 
you wouldn't see it. But if you played it in slow motion, you know, you'd see this uh, this growl, this snarky growl on their face that they then hide with this easy smile, you know. Yep, so. those are very honest. Those are almost always true. But like you said, they're very hard to see without mm. having a replay or slow motion camera. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was but trying to get one honest. of my one of those installed in my brain, but I couldn't, you know, <laughs> we're just not there technologically speaking yet. You know, <clears throat> only a matter of time though, guys, I, I think, you know, yeah, that yeah. would make things interesting. Yeah. If all but of a sudden nobody can lie, that would make the world an interesting place to live. Right. Right. Uh, and you know, it, it's interesting. Sometimes, you know, my wife and I just for fun, you know, we had fun in very weird ways, but you watch TV with the volume off and you try to guess what's going on, you know. And look, sometimes, I mean, generally with very good actors, they speak more with their bodies and their faces than they do with words. You know, we like the British actors, especially who are, you know, raised on Shakespeare, you know, and just... They can speak volumes without saying a, a single word, uh, but or politicians, you know. Um, but generally speaking, that was kind of a fun little uh, experiment we used to do. And thankfully, we have the DVR, so we can rewind it and go back to see how correct we were and trying to guess, you know, the emotional spirit of the moment in the scenes that we would first watch without the volume. Did, uh, would, would you recommend something like that? you think that would be helpful to folks there, Victor? Uh, that sounds interesting. I can't say I've tried it, but yeah, it could well, be good practice. That's because um, you had actual people to work with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes me and my wife, you know, so we have to learn off a of TV. <laughs> you have to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Just seeing the body language, um, mm. you're missing out on the words, which, you know, those are not as important. You're also missing out on the tonality, which is <laughs> another important part, probably yes. after body language. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know we have to, you know, I mean, especially in radio, we have to study that those types of things. Because, you know, uh, especially, you know, back in the day, we uh, have to do commercials when we weren't on the air. Right. And you have an opportunity uh, in each sentence, there is one word per sentence that you accentuate, you know. Like you take a sentence like, I am going to the store. Uh, the accented word makes a great difference. Even though it's subliminal, it makes a great difference. I am going to the store. I am going to the store. I am going to the store. I'm going to the store. I'm going to the store. I'm going to the store. You know, most people generally accentuate that last word in that particular sentence. Because, you know, it's all about going to the store. So the store is the one that they, but it can, you know, I mean, that tonality, uh, it really changes at, at the very least subliminally, uh, you know, the entire message, the entire sentence, you know. I also used to do the secret smile where when you read, especially commercials, but, you know, when you say hi to people and everything, you would literally smile while saying it because when you aren't smiling and talking that's fine but when you smile and you talk there's this real subliminal thing mm -hmm. you just sound like a more pleasant person 
know. So yeah, tonality is a very important thing. Sorry, that's my uh, that's my radio stuff. But you know, we we you know we had courses <laughs> and that sort of thing, and and yeah, because sometimes it's not what you see, but what you hear that makes a lot of difference. It's the cues that we pick up without realizing that we're picking up cues. And we always have to think about what kind of cues we're sending out to other people because we're not always aware of that either. You know, to, just like Temi was saying, you know, he's looking for cues in other people and mm-hmm. often uh, gets them misinterpreted. You know, the half the time they don't realize what they're sending out either, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you uh, really started getting into the the studying of uh, the the body language, the nonverbal cues, the dark psychology, and all those, which adds a whole another color to the entire subject, um, did uh, did you actively start thinking? I wonder what kind of cues I'm sending out because most of the time it's reactive, you know, and we don't even think about. It. You know, it's our subconscious speaking for us, you know, more times than we realize. What Did it make you more aware of the kind of cues that you were sending out the more you studied this? Yeah, it did. I was, that's funny. I was actually thinking about that earlier today. Um, I went to the coffee shop right before the store and I was, uh, one of the girls who works there was sitting to the side and I was talking with her and, uh, you know, I was kind of wanting to get my coffee and go home and I noticed I was kind of facing my feet away from the door <laughs> I was like oh you know I don't want to put off that signal so I did notice that um, yeah. it uh, it pops up from time to time um, noticing that you're using some of these techniques um, hopefully not in the, the dark psychology way but just in uh, yeah. no I, we, you know what I actually can't but it's kind of like you know sometimes we talk about witchcraft on a show like Supernatural Realm you know, you'd expect that. But, you know, I mean, I'm not a magic guy per se, especially in, in that kind of term. But if I were, you know, they say they have uh, white witchcraft and black witchcraft and gray witchcraft. You know, and in order to really excel in one, you really have to know the entire spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really the main reason I never got into witchcraft because I would do white magic. I'm. You know, I, I there's this thing about being an, uh, nice to people. You know, it's one of these things I just can't give up or uh, won't won't give up easily. You know, there is something about being nice. I like doing that. You know, so, yeah, I, um, I, and I did. I, I looked into the, the, the dark stuff, you know. I studied about uh, brainwashing or... Uh, with the radio and advertising, like you said, the subliminal thing, you know, and as a hypnotist, you write scripts for people, you know, that you're going to hypnotize, you have to find what their level of suggestibility is. Some people are really, really super suggestible. Some people are not suggestible at all. And they're like, you know, you'll never hypnotize me, you know, and you have to find ways to keep their minds busy. You know, have them do a math problem in their head while you're speaking to their subconscious. And, you know, this way they're not giving up any control necessarily and, and you're not invading their psyche. But there is mind control hypnosis and that there is brainwashing. There's cold reading, you know, for magicians and psychics too. 
And sometimes, you know, I read a book about cold reading uh, to help better spot bad psychics or psychics that are purposefully manipulative, you know. Because, again, in order to understand the genre, you have to look at all sides of it. And, boy, there's some fascinating stuff. And just because it's labeled dark psychology doesn't mean, mean that it's custom made for evil people. Right. Um, sometimes to be persuasive, especially in a business setting, is essential, you know. And you may have to do some things that may seem or sound soulless to you in order to succeed. But it's part of succeeding, you know, so you really have to understand all, all different terms. When you talk dark psychology, Victor, um, wh why did you particularly look in the dark area, the dark side? If you will. Uh, well, the idea at first was, beside it just being a catchy title, <laughs> is that you're learning this stuff so you can defend against it. Uh, mm -hmm. Because a lot of the same techniques that you say you could use to influence people, the techniques aren't that different on whether you're going to do it in a positive sense or to take advantage of somebody. Mm -hmm. So the techniques are really similar, if not the exact same, but it's the intention behind it. Yeah. So the dark psychology side mainly was learn this stuff at least so you can see if there's people using this against you right. so you can recognize it and then you know defend against it or just ignore it if you need but you have to be able to see that it's even coming at you yeah absolutely put because we talk on this show you know timmy psychic vampires mm -hmm. right yeah you know people that just being around them just sucks your energy away right you. you know uh, or overwhelms you, and, and you're sitting there going, why is this person standing here and me feeling so overwhelmed? Why is their energy draining my mm -hmm. energy? Yeah, you know? and if you don't know that that's a thing, you're you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Yeah, if you're it's not gonna, with it. You're going to yeah. be drained. Yeah. So, yeah, same idea. Yeah, I learned that firsthand with my father growing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it, it, it well, it, it is tough, but um, yeah, you know, I like to linger on it's not a good segue from Tim's dad to brainwashing, but you know, <laughs> I, I did want to bring it up anyway because we're kind of getting into that area, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm gonna hit you with uh, you know, uh, my particular vision of it, and you can tell me how right or wrong I am, okay, uh, Victor, but. In brainwashing, it's, <clears throat> first of all, it, it is uh, something you think about before doing. You have to create a fear, whether it be an unnatural fear that you make natural in others. Most of fear is fiction anyway. Things we don't know we have to be worried about until somebody brings it up, then we know. And sometimes once we know, we now believe. Mm -hmm. Because if it's in your mind, it's in your persona now. Kind of like religion. And Huh? Kind of like religion. That's all fear-based. Kind of like religion. Well, there was a, or um, yeah, there was a passage about fear in the show American Gods. It was really good. But they mentioned War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. <clears throat> it's like 1939 or something. It was the, the radio, and uh, this show that was uh, before it was this real popular talk show, entertainment talk show, and it ran late. <clears throat> 
And because it ran late, they joined the War of the Worlds program already in progress, and people didn't realize that this alien invasion was scripted. It was fake. They thought that they were tuning into actual news, and it scared the daylights out of people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and as that passage in American Gods pointed out, people didn't think about alien invasions before that hit them in their own living rooms. <clears throat> Because they didn't even realize they had any reason to fear alien invasion. Nobody believed that aliens existed in 1939. But once it came into their living room and palpably scared them half to death, they would always fear it from that point on. So creating a fear in someone and being the one person that can stop that fear. You You present yourself... A, you spell out the fear, then you present yourself as the one person that can stop that fear from happening to whoever you're talking to, whoever you're trying to brainwash. I alone can fix it. It's the perfect example of creating a fear and then saying, basically, it's your duty to be protective for this person. Mm -hmm. So now they see themselves almost indebted to you. And from there, you can manipulate them because we're riding this fear cycle first, you know, and the solution cycle second. You create both. Even though the fear may not be real, you've created it. You've made them real. Once it's real for the person, it's real in their life. And you're the one that can solve it. So you're both uh, the instigator of the fear and the instigator of the solution. And it becomes almost this uh, this uh, uh, dual need <laughs> that you create within, you know, the brainwasher and the brainwashee. That sound about right? Yeah, that's that's one method of brainwashing. You, like you said, you become the solution for a problem they didn't even have until mm-hmm. you created it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been thinking about brainwashing recently because there's there's several different kinds. The one you mentioned is pretty common. Um, a lot of brainwashing, we think kind of long-term changes in people, the mental changes, like, uh, you know, say there's a child raised in some kind of a cult and Mm -hmm. from a young age, this child's indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because, you know, the child's more vulnerable, which, uh, Oh, absolutely. Because they're not ready to make their own decisions yet. And you're making these decisions for them. You're creating these fears for them. You're creating this issue of safety for them. And it locks them in. Yeah. Right. So yeah, children are one of the most vulnerable. There's, there's a few others, which we can talk about in a bit, other people vulnerable to this stuff, Mm -hmm. but, um, to the brainwashing, I realized it's, not all just long-term, deep changes. Sometimes it can be instant. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I was listening to something. I think it was earlier today. Uh, somebody had this mindset. Uh, I think it was about voting. Hmm. So there was this guy. I think he was being interviewed. And uh, he had that mindset of uh, you have to vote because uh, – I forget the reason he gave, but it, it came back to uh, back when I was a kid. My dad told me one time that you have to vote because, you know, people died for this right or for whatever reason. And that one time that he heard this phrase as a child, now it's truth to him. 
So sometimes it happens in an instant, mm. you know, whether it's true or not. So sometimes it can be done over years and a lifetime. Sometimes mm-hmm. just in a, a second or a minute, in a your flash, mind can yeah. change. Yeah, instantaneously. It's just like you mentioned NLP before, uh, neurolinguistic programming. It's uh, it's tied into hypnosis a bit, but it really keeps track of our reactive phases. You know, um, you know without getting too deep in, uh, but uh, like. Stockholm syndrome, you know, to to me seems like, even though that's uh, kind of a persistent long term type of thing, but it it's generally an abuser and abusee situation where the person being abused uh, finds that their greatest need is the acceptance of their abuser. That's yeah. ultimately where the the safety lies, and so there's this loyalty built up. And they'll stay uh, in that situation. Outside of the situation yeah. wouldn't expect to see. Yeah. Right. And then in the Stockholm too, it's uh it's also giving into the authority. This person is telling you what to do and the reason it works, beside the loyalty, plus they're an authority figure. So mm-hmm. what they say must be true. Mm-hmm. They're in charge here. Yeah. Uh same as it's real similar to that shock experiment. Do you know that one? Mm-hmm. There was uh uh, see if I can remember it correctly. There was uh, a group of people, and they were told to. There was this experiment where there'd be somebody else on the other side of this wall, and you would have to ask them these questions. If they got the question wrong, you'd push a button, mm-hmm. and it would deliver an electric shock to the person. Oh, okay. And then every time they got it wrong, the the strength of the shock would go up. So at first, they'd be like, ow, that stings. And then they'd get another answer wrong. They'd push it, and they start, ow. You know, and it'd get worse and worse. And uh, there would be, a, say, a scientist or proctor there pushing them. Hey, he got it wrong. You have to push the button. And these people would keep delivering these powerful, painful shocks to the, the person on the other side. I don't think there were real shocks with mm-hmm. this, but they thought they were. Mm-hmm. And they gave in because this authority figure told them to. Mm-hmm. against their better judgment yeah or they uh, saw in some of those they would actually shock the people with very low voltage uh electricity you know i mean something that that would really not be considered uh harmful uh, either on an acute or chronic term but shocking nonetheless and then over time they'd use the influence and that fear uh, and the person would feel the shock, even though no shocks were coming, you know. Uh, so the I know, yeah, experimental experimental psychology is some pretty cruel stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chip, didn't yeah. they used to do that with like mental patients and um, people that were? Oh man, yes. Well, that tuberculosis was tuberculosis also. Um, yeah, with some tuberculosis patients, but not in the same way. Um, because sometimes a tuberculosis situation, somebody's in chronic pain. Mm-hmm. So if you create a pain that isn't part of the tuberculosis types of pain, it's a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's a very baseline, very kind of, uh, reptilian kind of process there. Uh, but you know, with people with chronic pain, sometimes will have, in pain management, you know, processes like that, 
ointments that give you first degree burns, you know, so your leg won't hurt as much if your back is on fire, you know. <laughs> but with the electroshock uh, convulsion therapy for people with psychotic conditions, for example, and I know people have had to endure that, you know. Of course, I worked with schizophrenics in a nonprofit setting for a while and, and didn't see it firsthand, but didn't have to. I mean, that's just horrid, horrid stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, snap out of this behavior or we're going to keep doing this to you. Yeah. And it's like, the, that's implying, first of all, the behavior is the person's fault, which it's not. That's why Western medicine gets me so angry, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, they, they found it to be effective. Of course, that's the science of sadism, though. That's not, that has nothing to do with healing people. They didn't get better. They just became more terrified in their own situation and their own weakness. And, you know, so that's no good. But, yeah, uh, you know, I guess uh, to, to answer your question, it's it comes down to choices, bad or worse, you know. If they can create worse choices for you, maybe your chronic pain isn't so bad. Maybe your psychotic condition isn't so bad. It's at least better than having 700 volts yeah, uh, jumping through you to make you convulse and go unconscious. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. 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 But, you know, but that's, you know, Skinnerian stuff. That's uh, behavior modification and, and physiological conditioning. Oh, I'm using the jargonistic yeah. terms now. Yeah, that's when I no, I've gone bad when I when I use those. But yeah, but but if you think about you know, uh, like Victor was saying, you uh, have a, a fear situation. The the example of the cult is the perfect example, you know. Or the politician, if you don't vote for me, the sky is going to fall. We <laughs> get messages like that every day, you know. Especially around election time, I, I, boy, I, I don't watch any commercials during election time. <laughs> if I can find it streaming online, by all means, I'll watch it that way. Yeah, at this, at this point, Chip, I don't even watch the news. Uh, yeah, well, you can't, you know, you it's can't. one fight or flight response yeah, to the next. Yeah. You know, you know, the, our lead story, the world sucks, and <laughs> our follow-up story, the world still sucks. <laughs> Victor, besides and in sports, yeah. the world sucks. Yeah. Besides body language, what's some of the other work that you do or, or you, you, that you are doing? Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. Uh, besides reading body language, is there, is there other things that, that um, go into dark psychology? Oh, oh persuasion. sure. Persuasion, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Persuasion, um, different techniques on how to influence people, like, a uh, good example is in sales, some of the tactics that a salesman will use on you or even, uh, let's see, even in dating, uh, there's the psychology behind it, uh, the mm -hmm. dark psychology side, doing it to kind of get your way in a mm -hmm. way that's not uh, quite positive. Mm -hmm. Or you can you know, use the techniques yeah. in a, a positive okay. way so it's a win-win right. situation. Yeah, yeah, you can have my unconditional love as long as you follow all my conditions. Yeah, people in sales do that because Mom and I went to Home Depot not long ago, and they said, well, if you sign up for our credit card, we'll save you $30 on your bill. And they charged her on our new credit card for the bill that she, you know, for the stuff that she got that she didn't want on a, on a charge wow, card because yeah. she wanted to pay cash for it. 
Oh, they buy a smartphone or a tablet now. And they yeah. go, we'll give you this extra phone for free. It's an $800 phone. It's yours for free. And we'll throw in this free tablet. But you're selling your life away. There's no free because because you got that extra phone and that extra tablet, each with $300 a month cost, you know, we can save you $8 on that $300 a month cost per phone and tablet. Oh, goody, I get to save 8 bucks. It, instead of you'll be shelling out an extra $279 a month for this free $800 phone, and we're winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't make those offers because they're going to lose money. Right. Yeah. Same thing yeah. with Verizon phones. They'll, they'll say, oh, we give you a yeah. case, a, a screensaver, and, and, a, and a memory card for, oh, maybe your, your bill raise up $10. And here... The whole three things are an extra hundred dollars on my bill. It's like, what? you know, I didn't sign up for this. You didn't tell right. me the, you know, you didn't tell me this stuff before. Yeah. Well, it's that fine print, and it's yeah, always in exactly. legalese, which most people can't understand. That's a whole new language. Outside of it's in English, you know. Uh, if if you're in an English language place, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, it's purposely written so you can't understand a thing. Exactly. So, yeah. And every word matters in those. Yeah. 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 People, if you buy something, look at the fine print. Please read the fine print. Watch these. Victor, tell me if this bothers you as much as it bothers us. <clears throat> these they got commercials for new medicines that they come out with. Where the side effects are always worse than anything you're taking the medicines for. Well, you won't have acne, but you'll be dead or have tuberculosis or St. Vitus dance within a week or cancer. But at least you'll look good. <laughs> yeah, right. it's like, come on. <clears throat> and often they run the fine print during the commercial. It's a 15-second commercial that feels like two seconds, but, you know, they flash all this fine print at you. And even if you run it frame for frame on pause, you won't be able to read the stuff they flash at you. It's extremely deceptive stuff. But the fine print spells out everything that can happen to you. And it's horrid. It's like a horror movie. <laughs> and it's supposed to make you better. You know? That, exactly. That's... And it's, it's just marketing pills <clears throat> to people who didn't even know they needed them a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, yeah, I do have a little acne. Let's, let's get this <laughs> drug from my doctor. That's a good idea. <laughs> There were actually a couple of things. I think restless leg syndrome was one. It was literally created in an office in Madison Avenue. There is no such thing as restless leg syndrome. And yet 80% of the people watching that commercial said, oh, I've got that. <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's almost, you know, using a horoscope type of situation, a daily horoscope type of situation, you know, with these things, you know. These these uh, illnesses, you know, uh, yeah. And we said they implant the illness in the mind of the the watcher, and it worked like mm -hmm. a charm. I mean, everybody we knew, you know, because we knew we we knew a guy who worked for the ad company with the guy that created restless leg syndrome and this medicine they had it for. It could have been a sugar pill for all we know. <laughs> <clears throat> You know, because there is that, that placebo effect, you know, in a control setting, people don't know if they're getting the medicine or the sugar pill. And the reactions, you know, people that get the sugar pill oftentimes 
feel the effects that the medicine is supposed to give them more often than the people who get the medicine do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Both sides will see improvement, and sometimes <laughs> there's not a great difference. Right. So. You know. But that's yeah. part of that's part of the dark psychology. Uh, to oh, me, yeah. that, that, mm -hmm. because that's that's manipulation and persuasive manipulation. Mm -hmm. There. Yeah. Because people don't understand their own personal power and the power of their own intent. Nobody tells us that, you know. And if yeah, they did, people, we wouldn't believe it. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize how vulnerable they are. Mm -hmm. And once you do, you can be skeptical, which I think people need to be more skeptical mm -hmm. as a whole. Because <clears throat> we just, we believe stuff so, so easily. We hear it once or a few times or it sounds good and we don't put any real thought into it or research. Mm -hmm. And we, we take these these new ideas as truth so easily. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's ironic because Timmy and I, you know, we work with ghosts for a living. <laughs> you know, and we think, too, it's extremely healthy to be skeptical, you know, right. in a paranormal setting if you're going to investigate a, a quote haunted unquote location you know you have to tick all the boxes to make sure that there isn't some natural explanation for this activity that's going on and that's really where you want to focus whether you're a major believer going into this place or a non-believer going into this place you still don't want your own bias and preconception to interfere with the process and that's what you know a good investigation is but we can do the same when buying a phone or or looking at these medicines that they're selling us on our our tv sets with all the fine print and stuff you know right believe and, things for good reasons yeah and be intellectually honest with yourself yeah but and the irony is you know people have this real fear that they'll be suckers in any given situation. They don't want to be suckers. They don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be manipulated. You know, they want to be balanced. They want to fit in. <laughs> they want acceptance, right? And so uh, people in, in a dark psychological setting uh, can use those things, you know, to their advantage. Because the irony is when people are in a manipulative situation, it's usually when they have their guards down mm. away from the fear of being manipulated. <laughs> it's a very ironic thing. Yep. Right. Yeah. Want to go on break? Right is that time yeah. already? Yeah, yeah, about 10 minutes or so, If you want, unless you want to do it now. Well, it's your show, brother. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, we'll happily follow. All right. You're listening to The Supernatural Realm <clears throat> on WCET. Dot FM, and we'll be right back right after this. Oh, shoot. Hold on. Okay, here we go. You're listening to WCET FM, America's talk station. I think of what I do. 
Mondays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Kindness Beyond the Veil, even in the darkest realms and mysteries, good things happen. Kind, even loving things in the paranormal, psychic world, extraterrestrials, mystical healing, light workers, starseeds, things that have astounded us since the beginning of time do have a Monday side to them. And we'll show you on Kindness Beyond the Veil every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with your host, Chip Reichenthal. Leading into Michael Vera's Late Night in the Middle and Show at 9 Eastern, making Mondays worthy of looking forward to right here on WCETFM, because that's where the action is. WCET.FM, your talk station. Joe Biden promised Ukraine a billion dollars if they fire the prosecutor investigating his son's company. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. But when President Trump asks Ukraine to investigate corruption, the Democrats want to impeach him, and their media lapdogs fall in line. They lost the election. Now they want to steal this one. Don't let them. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. LM merchandise is finally here. We have a large selection of shirts, hats, wall clocks, phone cases, stickers, jewelry, and much more. It's been a long time coming, but it's worth the wait. With great prices and quality products from Calf Press. Just go to LateNightInTheMidlands.com and click the big blue banner at the top of every page. Every purchase helps keep LNM Radio on the air, so stock up and tell the world you're a late nighter. So again, go to www.LateNightInTheMidlands.com and click the big blue banner at the top of every page. I would like to take a moment out to thank each and every one of you for listening to WCET 101.7 FM and the digital feed located on LateNightInTheMidlands.com, WCET FM. I would also like to thank all of you for helping me be here for 12 years already. Can you believe it? 12 years already. Can you please help us make it another year and make a donation? This all started from one idea and one small audience. And with your help, it has become what it is today. One giant family. Exploring the possibilities and crushing the lies. But all this is at risk if you do not take action and help keep this miracle train rolling on the tracks of truth and make a donation to Triple W. LateNightInTheMidlands.com. It's that easy. Just click the donation tab at the top right. And maybe the next big show or the next big guest will share information that saves your life. This message brought to you by the LNM Radio Network and WCETFM, your talk station, covering everything 24 7. Not because we have to, rather, because we want to. Guess what, folks? Late Night in the Midlands Archive is deep, going back several years, and you can have access to it all by becoming a Late Nighter. Becoming a Late Nighter is easy and only costs $5 a month. Late Nighters get access to so much more that others do not, such as the full three hours of the LM show with bumpers and archives that go back years, the special video interview page, where you can watch some of the greatest interviews in studio on camera. The LM newsletter will make you the most informed listeners because you will know before anyone else about special events and so much more. 
So click the subscribe button today and become a late nighter. So go to www.latenightinthemidlands.com. That is www.latenightinthemidlands.com and sign up now. What is the supernatural realm exactly? Why do people have paranormal or mystical experiences? There's some science behind it they're not looking at. Why do some people have negative encounters and others don't? What are the best methods to use and is there some new truth to them? We'll ask these questions on the hit radio show, Supernatural Realm with Tim Roxbury, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with your co-host Chip Reichenthal. Supernatural Realm, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 to 9 Eastern, leading into Michael Vera's Late Night in the Midlands at 9, right here on WCETFM, because that's where the action is. Better than Late Night in the Midlands? There's nothing better than Late Night in the Midlands. I love to talk to people from the heartland. They're tremendous people, they really are. Opinions? Politics. I'm going to give you 10 minutes tonight because you're tremendous people. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, she's a horror show. Elizabeth Warren. Or Pocahontas. But I mean, Elizabeth Warren, I love my Pocahontas. She <laughs> is the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, and good old Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, oh my God, what a communist. He's not even a socialist. He is such a communist. Then there's Sloppy Joe. <clears throat> I mean, Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe Biden. Every time he sniffs a little girl's head. You heard the man. Nothing better. Late night in the Midlands. We cover everything. And welcome back to the Supernatural Realm on WCT.FM with our special guest, Victor Sykes. The caller number here is 724-602-2826 at 724-602-2826 to get your questions uh, into the show here for our host and our special guest, Victor Sykes. Chippy, you there, buddy? I sure am, brother. And uh, boy, this has been good so far. It seems like we barely scratched the surface. I just wanted to remind our beloved listeners that uh, uh, Victor has a lot of great books out. Uh, he also has a website, victorsykes.com. Uh, Victor is uh, B-I-C-T-O-R. Um, and Sykes is S-Y-K-E-S. So victorsykes.com. And the uh, books on Amazon as well. Some in Kindle form and audiobooks too including books like How to Analyze People, Instantly Read Body Language, Learn Techniques for Speed Reading People, and Analyzing Behavior with Human Psychology. The book Dark Psychology, Learn the Practical Uses and Defenses of Manipulation, Emotional Influence, Persuasion, Deception, Mind Control, Covert NLP, Brainwashing, and Other Secret Techniques, and Influence Human Behavior, Techniques, and Attributes to Understand the Psychology Behind persuasion and manipulation now according to your site victor there's a couple of uh, second versions i think dark psychology 2 is one is that true right i actually have uh each of the four series you mentioned now is complete there's three books in each series oh 
Wow. So they're all out now, and I'm just starting to get the the bundled versions out just in time for Christmas. So if people <laughs> are wanting those, you can get the three-in-one. Oh, yeah, it sounds like a perfect gift for the holidays, you know? Right. Uh, I'll be begging my wife after this show. <laughs> <laughs> There's some of those books, man. Yeah, they sound really, really great. Definitely yeah, I, thank you. It's the kind of thing we really should mm-hmm. learn more about, you know? We, we really, really should. I think they're topics that everybody should read, you know, especially when being out in public with salespeople. Uh, <laughs> to, to know what their tactics are and to kind of warn, get get warnings of what they're doing so mm-hmm. you can protect yourself from falling into their traps. I think that's very important. Yeah, it, it's a, even sales is a, a little darker in itself. Yeah, than it is it used very to be. dark, yeah. Yeah. I remember I sold cars for a little while. You know, yeah. you'd think I'd be a car salesman for a long time listening to, you know, the way I talk and everything. Yeah. There's... <laughs> but, they said, you know, I don't care if they want a red car, sell them a blue car. I don't care if they want a compact, sell them a big one. Yeah. There's an issue here like, with one of our congressmen who owns a, a car dealership. Uh, it was on the news recently where the um, auto people and the salesmen don't have to tell you if that vehicle has a recall or not. Oh, isn't they're, that lovely? They're said to, I mean, they're told to, but they don't necessarily tell you. Yeah, the irony is, if you get a recall, you got to go see the dealership. Yeah, (laughs) and you won't get you won't get the recalls until you have the owner's card. But if you're financing it, you have no idea (laughs) unless you look up your VIN number. Yeah, which that's a good time to work on your intuitive abilities. I think you know, just generally out in the world wherever you are. Yeah, and and speaking of that, Victor, I wanted to ask you specifically. I I mentioned to you off air, you know. Uh, when my daughter was six, there was this seven-year-old kid that stole a Pokemon card from her. It was this Charizard, which is a big deal. They're like the most valuable card, right? <clears throat> and I confronted him, you know. That's the fun of having kids is to put the fear of God in anybody <laughs> that messes with your kid, you know. There's some fun in that, even with the kindness guy saying, <laughs> sorry, it just is what it is, you know. But this kid looked me straight in the eye and lied to me. So I started really looking into those cues uh, when people are lying, you know. I wanted to ask you about one specifically because I get a lot of mixed reactions on this. I ask cops sometimes. They have a very different view of body language than most body language professionals do, you know. But there was this one thing where, you know, whether it's an interrogation setting or not, if you ask somebody, what year was it when they turned seven years old, right? Mm-hmm. They have to look up, and they'll look up in a certain direction. You know, it might be, let's say they look up to the left to access actual, factual, logical information. There's your baseline for, because if you ask them something like, uh, you know, did you take my wallet the other day? Did you, <laughs> did you thumb through my phone the other day? And they'll look up in the opposite direction. They'll look up to the right to access creative information. Some people say you see what hand they use to write, and that's generally whichever one that is. That's that's where the direction they'll look up to gain factual information. But generally speaking, as long as you ask them a factual question, you have your baseline. 
So you can tell when they're creating things because they'll look up in the opposite direction in order to get it. Um, now, I've had a couple of cops say that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you find? And they say, well, I use my gut. And I said, well, that's not going to help me here. You know, um, do you have any thoughts on, on that particular, you know, as long as we're talking about, uh, because, you, you know, you mentioned poker, you know. I mean, there is some lying involved there or some masking, you know, not to give away their tells, but people give tells away, you know, if you look, if you know what to look for. But in that certain example that I gave, do you have any opinions on that one way or the other? Yeah, I first read about that in a book called Frogs into Princes. It's Ooh. by uh, Bandler and oh, wow. Grinder or Grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the original NLP guys. Yeah, right. and and they mentioned it. And it's, it's similar to how you said. Um, for some people, if they look up to the left, it might mean that they're recalling something visual, and where if they look up to the right, they're creating something that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then down to the left would mean something down to the right. And I know on some people it can be reversed. Um, so for me, I don't, I don't use that one. Um, I can never remember exactly how it works, but I think there is something there. It could be one signal you use, because um, when you try and figure out if somebody's lying, I don't recommend you just rely on one or two signals, mm-hmm. um, especially not one. But it could be, it could be something if if you're good at it and you remember how it works, you could use that as part of your your method to figuring out if they're lying. Or sometimes, you know, it's what they're doing and sometimes it's what they're not doing. You know, some people, when they get into an uncomfortable situation, they might shrug their shoulders more often than they did. Or they'll they'll do something uh, physically reactive, sweating, you know, Mm -hmm. or or, uh, rocking back and forth or something like that, where they, it's what they're doing that they weren't doing when they were comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. but that's in situation where we try to set up a baseline so we can have some baseline information to read off of. What direction right. are they looking to access their information? How are they sitting when they're comfortable as opposed to how are they sitting when you're asking tough questions to them? You know, and uh, any thoughts about that? Because some yeah, people do less, some people do more when they're in those circumstances. Yeah, and lying is it's a really interesting topic. It's probably one of my favorites. I actually mm. put together a list of notes in case this came up. Um, so as you mentioned, we talked before, the baseline is important. So you have to know where you're starting from. Mm-hmm. Um, so so on this list, I'll, I'll cover a few things and we can talk about it. Great. And this is, this is for spotting lies and people who are not professional liars. <laughs> so, so it's not going to work well on, say, politicians or people who are really experienced at lying, but this is just for normal people. Um, So you look for clusters, clusters of signals instead of just that one or maybe two. Um, So some common ones, Uh, they're probably smiling less. Uh, They might try and avert their eyes from you. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a natural reaction when you lie, you feel more stressed because you're worried that someone's gonna figure out you're lying. Mm -hmm. So that's where a lot of these signals stem from. So they'll look away. Um, Like you mentioned, the restricted body movement, they might shrug or they might kind of close off, cross their arms, keep their arms and legs closer to their body. Um, uh, A common one is 
uh, I call it the involuntary cover-up. Uh, they'll put their hand in front of their face or their mm -hmm. mouth. Or over their mouth, uh, yeah. Yep, or uh, they might even, like, scratch their cheek because it gives them some cover from your mm -hmm. eyes. It, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. make sense, but to them, they're hiding. Mm -hmm. uh, they might try and put something between themselves and you. Uh, so say a, if a lady has a, a purse, she might put it in her lap mm -hmm. because that gives her a little <clears throat> bit of shielding. Yeah. It's a, a kind of a defense mechanism for cover, you know, take cover, take cover. Yeah. Right. And these are stress responses. And mm -hmm. then the reason why these don't work as well on the professional liars, they don't feel as stressed when they lie <laughs> because it's, it's become normal for them. Mm -hmm. They don't feel that same degree of stress. Yeah. Hey, your, your opinion on this, because uh, sometimes, especially with people that lie more than others, might give more eye contact when they're lying because they want to see if their information is resonating with you or not, if that lie is working. Uh, is that something you think about or not? Because, you know, some people say yes, some people say no. Um, I'm not sure on that. I, I do believe that the people you're talking about, the ones who are better at lying, mm -hmm. they are going to have contradicting signals where they might be fine looking at you mm -hmm. because they don't feel that stress. Yeah. Yeah. So they it might really is to laugh and joke more naturally where, mm -hmm. where an unskilled liar is going to have a hard time with that, or it's yeah. going to sound like a fake laugh or you'll see a fake smile. Oh yeah. The fake smile, which by the way, is when they're smiling with their mouth, but not with their eyebrows. A natural smile, people usually raise their eyebrows at the same time. That's it's the small. entire face is involved, you know, when it's a genuine reaction. But when it's a uh, false reaction or a cover, um, you know, they'll smile with their mouth, but not with their eyes. That's always a good one. Or nodding yes when they're saying no, or no when they're yeah. saying yes. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. Uh, having that contradicting body language, contradicting what they're saying. Mm -hmm. um, a, a similar one to that is uh, it's kind of a delayed response. So say I'm saying something to you and I'm lying. Or no, say I'm talking to you, I'm telling you the truth. I might nod as I say it. Mm -hmm. As opposed to if I'm lying to you, I might say it. And then afterwards I might nod. So it doesn't quite line up. <laughs> Interesting. Ooh, that's good. That's good, Victor Sykes. <laughs> we like you, man. Especially I'm when smiling like with my eyebrows and everything <laughs> when I say that. Yeah, so sincere. we're making everybody better liars now, I guess, right? It, yeah, well, you know, sometimes you have to do it to fit in. Hey, Chip, this is a good yeah. thing to test your family members when you get together on the holidays. <laughs> oh, that's what I, yeah. I used to do that on purpose a lot, you know. <laughs> you read, read your body language and, and how they're expressing themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, gee, I love you, and you sit there and you watch. And yeah. <laughs> everything goes but the, you love me back. Yeah, what are the eyebrows doing? What are the ears <laughs> doing? What's the mouth doing? Are they blushing on their chest area? You know, Some people do that that they, they, they can't control. Yeah. I learned that on Judge Judy of all places. You know, she said, Sometimes, you know, when you're when when uh, underneath your throat, right around the top area of your chest, uh, gets red, it mm. blushes mm. for you wow. when you're insincere because your body has a literal and visceral reaction to that, especially if, with people that aren't good liars. You know? Yeah. 
their body gives them away. Yeah. So, so how's the card uh, game going for you these days? <laughs> Some fair question. Are you winning? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the last few times I've played, I've lost. <laughs> really? But I haven't. I haven't been really playing as much. It. It. Uh. It got boring to me. I used to be fine sitting there for hours and folding and trying to play smart, but now I. I don't know. I. I can't play as long. I get bored and I do foolish things and <laughs> I've lost a few hundred bucks my last couple times. Yeah. Well, it also becomes more like work than play, you know? Yeah, that's it, true. Now so. it kind of comes with the job now. <laughs> it's a, it used to be yeah. fun and you can lose money having fun or not having fun. Yeah. I'd rather I'd lose money having fun if you're going to lose money, I guess. Go ahead, Jimmy. I bet, I bet your friends like going with you to casinos. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, we bringing, have fun. We're bringing Victor to the blackjack table tonight. With yeah. This, <laughs> Road trip to the rivers. There we go. That's right. There Watch we go. those dealers, man. <laughs> yeah. Bring home a couple hundred, hundred or thousand books. Yeah. I actually had a friend that worked at a dealer at, and uh, as a card dealer, you know, in in casino in Las Vegas, and lost their job within two weeks because they had too many tells. <laughs> Seriously, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. They, yeah, literally lost their job because they, they just weren't used to lying like that, or you know, purposefully hiding their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> You're not robotic enough. Yeah. But sometimes, I mean, you know, there are just physical reactions that we can't control. Your pupils generally dilate when yeah, you I get a good hand. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, people, if they get, uh, if they're nervous, if they've bluffed, sometimes they'll hold their breath. Like you watch them and it looks like they're not breathing. They're frozen there like a statue because they're afraid to give anything away. So that's mm -hmm. the response. Yeah. Or they'll just close their eyes immediately after they look because they know. <laughs> yep. And they but know I actually had some advice once, you know, if you if you have a crush on, you know, somebody <clears throat> and you're talking to them, you know, you pay attention to their pupils as soon as they see you mm -hmm. and see what the reaction in their pupils is because that will be more honest. I guess I will from now on. Actually, it doesn't matter. I've been... Married for thirty-two years, I don't need to know if uh, somebody's got a crush on me. You know, yep, they, there's mm -hmm. there's there's not a woman in the world worth losing my wife over. You know, I'll just say that right out yeah. loud. Um, you know, but there are these little cues like that. Yeah, they Eyebrows, like ears, ears raising or not. Mm -hmm. You know, they're unconscious things. Or again, right. those mi micro momentary expressions. Yeah, the pupils is a good one. Like you mentioned, the pupils getting bigger means they see something they like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if they're uh, blanking, see. they they don't like what they see here. No. No. <laughs> There's discomfort in them. Yep. Yeah, if they won't look at you, it's probably not a good sign. No. <laughs> right. Or if the pupils get real, real tiny all of a sudden. Yeah. It's also, like, run for cover. If they, if they, if they start dry heaving too, that's usually negative. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, oh, it's like you know me. <laughs> oh, and then the tightening of the lips if they tighten and you know you need to turn turn and run the other way. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. Uh, the attraction right. stuff is interesting. I like that. You know, the yeah. pupils. It's a hard one to see, but mm. from what I understand, that's a good one. 
Um, the genuine smile, that's a good sign as opposed to the polite mouth only smile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are some others like, like the lick in the lips, the grooming, anything to make her, yeah, that was the grooming, know, big time. make yeah. herself look better to you is a, a nice sign. Or again, the, 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 the legs, you know, wide open when they're around you. It's a sign of comfort. We're keeping a PG-13 over here. <laughs> but it and is. Back it's to the an feet. unconscious reaction. Yeah, the feet, yeah. yeah. If you're, you're talking to a girl and her feet are pointing towards you, she's not angling towards the door, that means she at least wants to keep talking to you. Right, right. So, And again, with the legs crossed, because, you know, there was a while, because we were talking earlier about being conscientious of the signals that we're sending out. If we're looking for the signals other people send out, by default, generally speaking, we have to be more aware of the signals we're sending out because that's right. the last thing we'll know is what we're doing because we're so busy paying attention to other people. But sometimes when I cross my legs, I, I, I'm comfortable, you know. That's a comfortable position for me. So generally, if I cross my legs when uh, somebody comes up to my table, you know, that is actually an affirming sign, at least in my mind. You know, but a lot of people will read the cross legs as closing off. Uh, yeah, if they only look at that one signal, but that's going to be your baseline. Mm-hmm. However, if your arms are closed off and uh, you're looking away, all those combined would put off that negative vibe. Mm-hmm. But if you're welcoming, if your your hands are open, um, you're given the real smile and you're, you're speaking. Um, you know, there's the different tonalities of voice, too, which we didn't cover. But mm-hmm. all these things together are going to put off a general signal. So just mm-hmm. having the legs crossed alone is probably not too bad. Yeah, even yeah. the distance is a good one. Yeah, distance, proximity. People mm-hmm. like to be close to things that they like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. True. And, and again, the mirroring, you know. Uh, it's like, and it's fascinating. Once I became aware of mirroring, and you could see it in other people, because you, you talk about in, in uh, at least one of the series of books that you have about speed reading people, you know, uh, to, to paraphrase. And if you see two people engaged in a conversation where they're both standing in identical stances, you know, legs partly open, hands on their hips, whatever, but they're both doing it at the same time, then you know they're unified in conversation. Yep. Yeah. That's a genuine conversation, and they're they're speaking openly mm-hmm. and listening to one another. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a really good signal. It is, yeah, because it's hard. You know, listening is uh, rarer than we would like to be. I think you that's know, hard for people, some people to do. Though a lot of people 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 hear what you're saying, but they're not listening to yeah. what you're saying. I've I've heard time and time again in, in uh, you know relationships that I've been in, um, which I've been in a few, but you know sometimes they'll tell you, you're not listening to me. You never listen to me. And that's I thought they'll sign that you know things are going to go down <laughs> downward pretty. Yeah, fast. I usually say I'm sorry. Did you say something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a weird way to start a conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You're not listening to. You, know, you never oh, listen. I, I used to get all the time. What are you thinking about? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I used to say, oh, I used to hate when, you know, uh, yeah, the women would ask me, what are you thinking about? And at the time, I'm thinking about chocolate-covered bananas and ice cream. And what, <laughs> what am I going to say? Oh, nothing. You know, you. <laughs> yeah. 
it's just, you know, say, well, actually, I was thinking about chocolate-covered bananas and ice cream would be nice right about now. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, you know, which is the truth, just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> they just say, whatever I was thinking about, you don't look fat in that dress, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good default. That's right. Top 10 ways to stay out of the doghouse by Chip Reichenthal. See, maybe I should... My next book. <laughs> Just as long as you're not lying, and they know you're lying. You're in good yeah. shape. But uh, going back to the speed reading, though, um, is there a general way that you could describe that uh, in what you write about in your books when you talk about reading people instantly or reading people quickly or speed reading people? Any any general tips? Yeah, you know, with, without kinda, giving the cow away for free, you know. <laughs> uh, well, it depends on what you're trying to figure out. Um, so the context of it. So are, are you talking about the first time you've met somebody or maybe speaking with your boss or a potential romantic partner? Wow. Boy, that's a good one. Well, we were covering Probably attraction both. a little bit there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, maybe uh, new to situate. I think there are a lot of people that... <laughs> Don't feel comfortable speaking to strangers or, you know, I mean, some people just have a gift for that and they'll naturally engage anyone in conversation. And some people really don't feel comfortable being in that kind of setting, you know, not right. because they're shy necessarily. They just don't like the risks involved for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, I guess when when you're uh, seeing somebody for the first time. OK, so if. If I go up to, say, speak with a girl for the first time, I'm going to pretty much ignore the first signals for the first 10 to 30 seconds while we talk okay. because I expect them to be kind of negative. That's the mm -hmm. normal response you go to. Yeah, that's the, I, no, that's I don't excellent. look like Brad Pitt. No, that's excellent advice. I don't look advice. like Brad Pitt. Even so. if you did, you know, uh, it's yeah. still excellent advice because, yeah, they, they have to – rid themselves of a preconception that they might not even know they had, you know? Right. So it's your best judged over time. Yeah. So the first signals, typically I, ex I expect to be kind of negative or neutral. So I ignore them because they don't know me yet. After we've, we've talked and I've said something, she's replied maybe a couple times, 10, 30 seconds in the conversation. Then I start to pay attention to what's happening because now she knows at least a little bit about me and uh, we've had the start of a conversation. So we kind of covered this. I'll look for the first signal. Is she still talking to me? <laughs> so, <laughs> so if she's still talking to me, I'm going to say, okay, she likes me. She likes me enough to at least continue the conversation. She's not facing away. She's, uh, this isn't just body language too, but is she responding beyond just little short answers? Like, hi, how are you doing? Okay. You know, at the very start of the conversation, that, that may be how it goes. But once we get into it, I'm hoping that she's giving me a little more feedback to work with and opening up. Um, so it's more of a, I guess, a non, non-physical cue. Mm -hmm. She's talking back. Um, She's looking at me. She doesn't keep looking away. Um, her body language is at least opening up some. You know, she's not clutching her purse in front of her. It's a lot of the stuff we covered, but is her overall body language more open? Is she receptive to continuing the conversation? 
so those are the things I'll look at to start. Yeah, I I, I was in a friendship with a female uh, younger than me at the time, and and it took me it seemed like forever just to get get through that wall. Every time we would get together or hang out with her family, I feel like I'm hitting that brick wall. And over time, it seemed like it was you know just coming down slowly, but it took it took a while. They keep, you know, having the guards up and that body language didn't kind of, you know, I mean, wasn't welcoming uh, so much. Yeah. They just I think that's really common. Um, yeah, whether she's going to like you or not, that's that's the natural response mm -hmm. to kind of be standoffish at first because she doesn't know who you could be. You could be a crazy person mm -hmm. um, or you could be her next boyfriend. So, uh and I've kind of studied on the, the dating stuff a bit, so that helps tie in. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to get through that first part. And that's why most guys, I think, are apprehensive or get the anxiety from going to talk to a girl because of that first 15 to 30 seconds that mm -hmm. kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, but, it's a general risk anyway. And here's here's a, a weird tie-in because you, you do talk about NLP. Neurolinguistic programming in the book. Uh, one of the most fascinating things that I learned throughout the uh, NLP stuff is that some people are um, visually oriented, some people are hearing or audio oriented, some people are uh, feeling oriented, and they'll have different cues, including acceptance. Mm -hmm. Because Keep in mind, in a situation like what you're talking about, there's a lot of risk involved. Add to that all the fear that we get from media and social media about, you know, all the things that could possibly go wrong in a setting where you're just talking to somebody face to face at random. You know, like you said, you don't know if they're, you know, a serial killer or a creep or something. So, yeah, so for the first few seconds, there's bound to be that kind of uh, resistance that is just uh, inbred in, within uh, all of us, really. Mm -hmm. But for there are some people that, uh, that are more visually cute. They'll normally say things like, I see what you mean. I see your point, you know. Yes. Uh, and they're, generally speaking, generally uh, more outgoing. Uh, people that are hearing oriented are more likely to say, I hear you. You know, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a little bit more logically minded and reserved. And the people that are feeling oriented can get overwhelmed very easily. So yeah. they're generally very closed off, even in an acceptance situation. Um, <clears throat> so is that overthinking or is it good to keep that kind of NLP stuff in mind? And even in these simple situations, when you're speed reading people, um, that's interesting. That that might be a bit overthinking for mm -hmm. a practical application when speaking with somebody. No. But it is interesting, and and you're dead on about the the way people are oriented. Like I know me, I always say, "Yeah, that sounds good," or mm -hmm. you know, "I hear you." Um, and for some reason, if say I speak with another person uh, with that auditory slant, there's, for some reason, it seems like a little bit easier connection when that person right. says, yeah, mm -hmm. that sounds good. Yeah. It makes it a little easier to talk to that person. 
Yeah, it's it's two peas in a pod. You you have this symbiosis you don't even understand you have, you know. Especially right. a lot of people don't understand which one they are in that mix. Mm-hmm. It drove you, me crazy because sometimes I see what you're saying and sometimes I hear what you're saying. I'm thinking, okay, who am I then? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can you can have more than one. Um, like I know for me, uh, the auditory one is more what I do, but also I'll say, oh, I see what you mean. So you can have both. Usually one's a little more dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how important it is, but I have noticed that um, if you're talking with somebody and you notice that they say, oh, I see what you're saying, and you start using the similar uh, similar phrases, it mm-hmm. seems to make the conversation go a little bit easier. Yeah. But it's like a double, same language. a double unconscious thing. It's part of this thing they called, when I took body language in, in psychology class, there's a thing called the Joe Harry window. Now, two guys named Joe and Harry came up with it. And they're both psychiatrists, but there's something that you know about yourself that other people know about you. There's things that you don't know about yourself that other people do know. There are things that you know about others that other people don't know. And there's this thing where you or the other people don't know. So there's like four sides of this window. And part of that is uh, it traces back to NLP. Uh, like you said, when two people are auditory in in nature and in semblance, they don't understand why this energy seems kind of smooth. It's like already there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, th- but it's still kind of a cool thing. We talk about the um, the aura, the electromagnetic mm-hmm. energy that surrounds us. You know, everybody's got this this electromagnetic energy around six inches to six feet emanating from their bodies. That's why sometimes you can stand next to somebody on a bus and say, oh, I I just got this off feeling about this person. You know, just got an off feeling because they might be positively charged and you're negatively charged. Doesn't mean you're positive or negative, but it's the energy. It can attract or repel, you know, so there's that thing, too. There's all these unconscious cues. But that goes back again to the physical reaction things like um, the pupils, you know, dilating or not dilating, the the stance that people take. Sometimes you can just see that they're off guard a little, Mm -hmm. you know, but not necessarily a personal thing, you know, and it's, it's working beyond that in that moment, especially if you're trying to capture you know, the the essence of this person that you're looking at and with all the nonverbal cues. I mean, you even have to take the, the old good old subconscious into consideration, you know. But, yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, that when you're auditory or visual, uh, then other visual people, you'll feel, you just have this kind of instant camaraderie or, or comfort with, you know. And uh, so, again, it goes back to that excellent advice about giving it at least 30 seconds before you really start reading into the body language uh, because people are naturally guarded. And so their, their preconditions and their biases and their expectations have to get out of the cloud first <laughs> mm-hmm. before you can really look into it. All right. Boy. 
Wow, that's just super cool. <laughs> Good stuff, though. Yeah, this this stuff goes deep. I'm I'm always learning new stuff. Uh, the one you just mentioned about the the window, the was it Harry and uh, Joe Harry? Yeah, Joe Harry. Joe Harry. That's the first time that I've heard about that. That sounds interesting. And uh, we keep learning more. Um, we just keep getting better and more knowledgeable about psychology, which has its pros and cons. You know, it does. We, yeah, indeed. They get better at selling us stuff like new drugs and uh, get better <laughs> at marketing stuff to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, it's just a really deep topic. Yeah. I used to you know, do it both in commercials and, and uh, when I write uh, these scripts to read out for people that I'm going to do past life regression uh, hypnosis session with. Where you can, you know, a tailor to their suggestibility level, but also you could put words in, or the words you emphasize, in like a paragraph, will be there'll be a few words that are doubly emphasized, like uh, you will feel comfortable with me. You fit those words in to double emphasize within a paragraph. So it is not only subliminal, but it's subliminally subliminal, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But you see it in, in a good marketing, like if you're reading uh, some ad for something and they have certain words that are highlighted, mm-hmm. you know, and in bold italics, you know, um, they should, if, if done well, make their own little sentence there. You know, if you look oh. at the highlighted words on a page that you're reading of an ad for a book about persuasion, for example, you know, and see that it reads, you will want this book. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because most people don't pay attention to that stuff because they don't have to think about it, you know. But as a hypnotherapist, I, I work that kind of thing into my scripts to add to the comfort that uh, my client is going to have in this process, because not everybody just willingly wants to go into a past life, you know, and you don't have to believe in a past life in order to get some cathartic uh, healing from that process. But if you add to it or add to your commercials, whether written or spoken, these certain words that are emphasized should make their own sentence in themselves. And that's for the dark stuff, too, you know, but when I think of the dark psychology and uh, persuasion and manipulation for advertising, for subliminal advertising, they'll usually spell out a sentence that's fearful. I see. You know, buy this or suffer. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've actually seen that from time to time. Uh, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, just like the old, um, well, stigma, if you will, about, uh, you know, sex cells. And there were certain movies or commercials where they would have this one frame and say a 13 or 26 frame per second module uh, where there's, you know, like a a quick image of uh, kissing or something a little deeper than that, you know. For that one flash of a second. Uh, and then it brings this unconscious pleasure to people when they're watching this thing for aspirin or whatever. You know, they actually used to do stuff like that. You know, they might still. 
I'm not sure. If anything, it's uh, high definition digital now. You know, so <laughs> yeah. If anything, they're better at it. I yeah. remember Fight Club. Fight Club had a yeah, scene right? in there about that. Yeah, actually, there were there were they had flashes of Brad Pitt before they introduced him, long before they introduced him, in a scene where um, uh, Ed Ed uh, what's his name? They're the star. Oh, Ed uh, Norton. Ed Norton was hugging Meatloaf. You know, what? they had. If you pay attention, yeah, there's this one spot where Brad Pitt, for one frame in that 13 frames per second, pops in. You know, but if you don't know to look for it, another scene he's asking his doctor for sleep medicine, Ed Norton, because he's not sleeping. These are all toward the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and yeah, they pop Brad Pitt's image in there. For like a split second in there too so next time you watch fight club you can see that you know because once you know about it just like the sixth sense anytime there was red from the director there was uh going to be something that inspired the main character in this case bruce willis to become angry you know because we didn't know about bruce willis and his true state until the very end of the movie and i'm not going to give that away but anytime right. there's something red that basement door, the door to the basement, which was his working area, had a red doorknob. Hmm. It was like this crystal doorknob, but it was a red crystal, you know, not a clear crystal. So they, yeah, they add all these little subliminal things in. But there was a, a point in Fight Club, I think, where he was working at a movie projector thing, and he would edit in these little split seconds of... Uh, uh, porn, I guess, into the, <laughs> just to see yeah. if the audience re- would react at all. Yeah. Yeah, it made the children cry in the theater. <laughs> right? <laughs> see, I don't know if I'd cry as a kid if I got to see a second of that. <laughs> I would have loved it, I think. <laughs> but yeah, they actually used to do <clears throat> stuff like that. You know, and they still might. But part of that is the dark psychology of it, especially if it's really for uh, a, a real manipulative purpose, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to uh, undertone a soda commercial with uh, sex, sex cells, you know. And if you could spot it, and sometimes they'd pop frame, you know, something, uh, uh, you know, to two people kissing or something, you know, right. for that split second. Or the undertones and the double entendres of the uh, the, uh, the voiceover would have elements of that in, you know, and that, and then people became aware of it and they stopped doing it, or at least they said they stopped doing it. Right. But for dark psychology and in purposes of dark psychology and for the purpose of the book, there is things in manipulation or persuasion that are rather aggressive, really. And not painted to benefit other people, but painted more so you are more positioned to be have some control over other people. Does that sound about accurate? When yeah. you, you think about dark psychology and the subliminal kinds of things. Right. Just using all these different tools to reach your purpose, whether manipulating them or just getting more influence over them to ultimately get them to do what you want. Hi. How about this? Because I was reading in uh, one of the descriptions of your books 
because there are people we've well, mentioned psychic vampires i think that's a, a term yeah. that many of us can understand we're always around these people that are toxic to us that just seem to have some control over us and sometimes it's subliminal that manipulation sometimes it's just right out front and yet we still succumb to it because for some reason we feel that we should respect the situation by succumbing to it. Uh, a lot of times it's family members. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times it, is, time it yeah. is. Or or relationships, especially past relationships that are trying to work themselves back in. You know, there there is a very aggressive kind of control type of manipulation involved there. But part of your book said that the dark psychology being one of them uh, can help other people. Uh, guard themselves, protect themselves from that sort of thing. Can you give us a general idea, again, without giving the cow away for free, um, you know, how people can strengthen themselves by understanding these processes? The main way that you defend against this is just having the knowledge, and it doesn't have to be an incredibly in-depth knowledge, but just recognizing um, Say, say you don't know what gaslighting is, and uh, by not knowing, you're vulnerable. Mm. But even if you just learn a little bit about gaslighting and maybe love bombing or other uh, yeah. kind of romantic dark psychology, yeah. just or knowing good, what it ghosting is. Ghosting, too. Ghosting seems like. Oh, ghosting's <laughs> the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? I don't know how you defend against ghosting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, well, nobody knows, and that's the whole thing. I actually said there was a Dr. Phil, uh, the, they had a thing about ghosting on Dr. Phil. And he brought these girls on that were ghosted, which means all of a sudden, you know, guys were talking to them and they just stopped. Maybe, you know, it's kind of a maybe date situation, you know, or these maybe dates, perhaps love interests, were in until they weren't, you know. And once they stop talking, they stop. They block them, you know, change their phone, whatever. And these women were like, what is it, my breath, you know? So he would bring on the guys that got spooked away and ended up ghosting these women to tell why, you know? And it was always a situation where the person wasn't aware that they were doing these things. <laughs> they probably should have been, you know. She was kind of stocky, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, she would start making dinners for these guys, bringing them over <laughs> at random times and, you know, that sort of thing, a little too much too soon, you know. It's great to be loved or coveted, but, you know, not if it's so in your face where you don't know if this is like the fatal attraction type of situation that you're getting yourself into. But the girls weren't aware that they were doing this. It's just like when we think about our own verbal cues, we're not aware when we're turning people on or off, you know. Um, and I don't ne necessarily mean romantically. I just mean socially. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. But when people have this power over you, uh, most of the time they know what they're doing. Would, would that be a fair assessment? Even though it's um, a generality? Uh, I don't know if it's most of the time, um, but some of the time, definitely. Sometimes this is done on purpose just to take advantage of a person. But I don't think it's all the time. 
Um, some some people just have those traits. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the dark triad, where it's kind of a mix of these these three negative characteristics or traits um, mixed into one person, where they just they don't care. They're uh, they don't really care about the emotions of others. They're not empathetic like at all. Sociopaths um, or psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the three, and uh, there's just some people who are, I guess, made this way or have become this way, and and oftentimes they're really good at dating or they're really good at business. Um, they don't they don't feel uh, emotions the same way a, a well-adjusted person would, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. they can. There's some of the people who will do these more terrible kinds of manipulation like the gaslighting um a lot of the romantic stuff uh you'll find uh you know the psychopaths or narcissists they'll be the ones who are who are uh more prone to to putting off this kind of uh i guess energy or these uh these kind of tactics um but as far as uh let me see as far as people doing this on purpose and knowing what they're doing. I don't think it's, that's always the case. Um, some people, it may be how they were raised. They saw how their parents treated each other and, uh, it, it might not have been the best relationship, but to them, that's now how they understand relationships work, even if it's just on a subconscious level. Yeah. There's, there's even people that say other people are nar- nar- narcissists, but they show signs of being artistic themselves. <laughs> yeah. It, it's usually, yeah. Yeah, well, and, yeah. well, narcissists would generally blame everybody else for their problems anyway, right. because they're never accountable for anything. They'll say, like, you know, their ex-husband is a narcissist, when really, they have signs of being that. Yeah. Yes, you see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, projecting, projecting your right. problems onto other people, super common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we're talking about dark psychology and manipulation. I thought of this joke, and I was thinking about it earlier today, you know. How, how many Jewish wives does it take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> oh, Never mind. I'll just sit here in the dark. <laughs> that's pretty See? good. Yeah. And that says uh, guilt. I mean, that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Boy, or victimization, self-victimization, you know. Or yeah. somebody will always say, well, you know, I don't know what it is about you, but you always make me feel bad <laughs> it's like well thanks you know you have a nice day you yeah. ruined my day <laughs> yeah, my day but families is in a family setting especially yeah uh guilt as a tactic mm-hmm. you know look what i did right. for you you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah 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 all right hey, I, 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 go ahead I, I was curious since uh you're uh you do the hypnotism have you looked at all into binaural beats? Oh, I love binaural beats. Yes. Oh, absolutely. No, for me, and it answers a question that we get a lot here because we talk about uh, self-healing a lot and the true power of self-healing. Meditation is really atop the list of getting your body to a very calm state, a state of ease, you know, to heal the dis-ease within you. Binaural beat because people say I don't have time to meditate. I got four kids and three jobs. You know, when the hell do I have time to meditate? 
an answer is, well, if you really wanted to, you'd find the time. But binaural beats, to me, to answer that, mm -hmm. because now on YouTube, they have binaural beats for specific things to increase your uh, intuitive ability or your psychic ability to be better at astral projection. Or I mean, they have all sorts of different binaural beats for these things or the Schumann resonance, the resonance of the earth to ground yourself. Uh, but binaural beats are brilliant because, you know, I DJed nightclubs and I was a musician. It's like an A flat where you've got and the left ear is an A flat minus about three one hundredths of a percent, you know, and a pure A flat. So there's just something a little off and it takes both uh, sides of the brain, if you will, the logical and creative side and meshes them together because of that dissonance. You know, it's a beautiful and brilliant thing. But yeah, an awful lot of good can come out of that binaural beat. And it's said to stimulate the pineal gland, that third eye that helps people increase their intuitive ability. Yeah, yeah I found um, the binaural beats interesting. It's something I've been looking into. So the way it works, um, how you mentioned uh, you have the different tones or, or, uh, or hertz in either ear. It kind of affects your brain similarly to hypnosis, doesn't it? Where you might reach a theta stage or... Yes, yes. And, and often they have binaural beats for that specific purpose. To reach a, a delta or a gamma or an alpha or, a, you know, uh, some different uh, brainwave uh, transmission than what you're used to, than perfect awareness, let's say. Hey, Chip. And, could yeah. could a, a a music bowl or sounding bowl do the same thing as binaural beats? In a different way, yeah. Uh, because the thing with the music bowl is the vibration goes, yeah, it goes further. Like the they're talking now about this thing called infrasound, right? You know, and we were talking about that the other day. These these uh, people in this mountain in in uh, Russia in the 1980s that for some reason, you know, they all went hiking together. Uh, they were a bunch of scientists. They were there on, to, on a geological mission, and they ended up uh, either killing themselves or each other, and nobody really understood why. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons they ultimately came up with, like to 30 years later, was infrasound, you know. The sounds that transmit lower than our hearing allows, mm -hmm. you know, not higher like the dog whistles, but lower. It's that oh, okay. underneath thing. Your body reacts to it physically because it's still a wave, just like that thing of a tree falls down in the forest, you know, and uh, and uh, and nobody's around. Does it make a sound? Of course it does. You egotistical maniacs. <laughs> there's animals. There's bugs. There's rocks. There's earth. You know, these are physical waves. You know, so the infrasound is something, but with the binaural beats, they often add music bowls in them, chimes, tones. Um, uh, when they're on their own, that works because you have an involuntary physical reaction mm -hmm. to that vibration. You know, right. There is something about the element of that vibration that hits you. It's stronger than what you're used to. So your body succumbs to it one way or another. Uh, sometimes some have tones that are relaxing and almost forces you to relax, <laughs> you know, but it's a it's a physical response. 
but you also with these binaural beats have a physical response because of that dissonance because ah. to your ears you can't just say there's something off about it but you can feel it you know your head starts vibrating a little mm -hmm. and again yeah it does stimulate the pineal gland that third eye helps people become more intuitive but can also be relaxing they have a lot of binaural beats for sleep you know binaural tones i just play some for my wife they have ones that are eight hours long so you just pop the youtube video in all right you know? um, and boom there you go and she uh, she would sleep well you know there's there's another one i was reading about i believe it's called isochromatic tones or isochromatic notes mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I think I think it's somewhat related to binaural beats, but it doesn't require a different sound in each ear. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But that's another one that I was kind of wanting to look into that seems related. Yeah, well, that's similar to I think the analogy I gave about the music bowl. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. because these isochromatic tones give you a physical physiological reaction, and it's a reactive one, so it affects your subconscious. Because the subconscious is the thing that is reacting to yeah. all this. Subconscious is like this supercomputer that keeps track of everything uh, throughout this entire lifetime and perhaps beyond, debatably, you know, mm -hmm. uh, past lives even. Um, and I, geez, I forgot my yeah. point. Yeah, binaural beats and, and music bowls can probably, you know, be good as, as far as, you know, meditation. Mm -hmm. Oh, excellent! Excellent for meditation or or sleep. Yeah. Oh, the subconscious mind. It keeps track of everything you've ever smelled, mm -hmm. touched, uh, tasted, saw, felt, heard. You know, covers all the senses. But it has the emotional capacity of a two-year-old. So let's say if you want to quit smoking, your subconscious mind will say, "Okay, well, we'll make you smoke more then, mm -hmm. so you'll get sick of it." But if you smoke more, you get more addicted because right. it takes you know, more nicotine. And so it's not really doing you that, that tremendous favor. you know. Uh, so our job as a hypnotist is to uh, calm the active mind. Oh, excellent. Yeah, we're going to definitely do that. Well, we've calmed the active mind uh, so you can speak directly to the subconscious and uh, reprogram it, you know. Uh, that's the, and so it takes this very relaxed state in order to do that. People do self-hypnosis and use binaural beats often too. All it really takes is the intention to do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to concentrate. I'm going to clear all the clutter and noise out of my mind with these binaural beats or a music bowl or isochromatic tones or whatever. <clears throat> and once you're in this relaxed state and you say, I'm going to, perform better at my job. I'm going to feel more confident tomorrow. I'm going to do this, you know, um, that, that sort of thing. And that's the hypnosis practice, but it's gotten a bad rap from all the movies and stuff where people think that, you know, I could create serial killers, but <laughs> when I play this tone, you're going to go back into that <laughs> hypnotic state and you're going to, you know, uh, kill the, uh, you know, the king or whatever, you know, it's just, uh, and that's, uh, that's ridiculous because, 
you can never hypnotize somebody to do what they wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always There's a stronger. lot of misconceptions. A lot of misconceptions about that. Just like there are misconceptions about dark psychology. Uh, and speaking of dark psychology, you've got a book by that name. You've got a few books uh, 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 that are really awesome. And yeah, I'll say it out loud. They make great holiday gifts, people. Yeah. You know, Victor Sykes. Uh, Sykes is S-Y-K-E-S. Uh, Victor is like, you know, to the Victor goes the spoils. Uh, V-I-C-T-O-R. VictorSykes.com. Uh, and... Uh, Amazon.com too for books like How to Analyze People, Instantly Read Body Language, Learn Techniques for Speed Reading People, Analyzing Behavior with Human Psychology, and Dark Psychology, Learn the Practical Uses and Defenses of Manipulation, Emotional Influence, Persuasion, Deception, Mind Control, Covert NLP, Brainwashing and Other Secret Techniques, and Influence Human Behavior, Techniques and Attributes to Understand the Psychology Behind Persuasion, and manipulation. Victor Sykes is our guy. Now you've got you've got some ebooks that you wanted to mention. Is that right, Victor? Yeah. Well, since it's the holiday season, I thought Jolly Old Saint Vic could give away a free book. Jolly <laughs> <laughs> Old Saint Vic, I love it. <laughs> so awesome. So this one, <laughs> this is a short book, um, just for people to read and feel out if they if they like what I had to say. So if they want to get it. They can go to victorsykes.com slash free dash ebook. And then there you'll you put in your email and it'll get sent to you. But this book's pretty cool. It covers one topic, and here's the title of it. The simple and powerful word to use to increase your social status. So mm-hmm. one word, you can tie it into your conversations. You can use it on your boss, your friends. And I think this one's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I think you'll like it. Cool. We got about three minutes left before we got to uh, switch it over to late night in Midlands with our special guest, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis, and I hope I pronounced her name right. It's K. Yeah, it is. I I listened to uh, uh, an audio ad that she had. It's cannabis with a V. Sounds like wanna, cannabis with a V, but it's I want to let the listeners know that um, uh, December tenth, James Willis will, will be with us. Um, December twelfth. Uh, psychic medium Shannon Leichner will be with us, and December seventeenth. That's on a Tuesday. Uh, hypnotherapist uh, Daniel Alexa will be a returning guest as well. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, yeah. And uh, my show, Kindness Beyond the Veil, Mondays seven to nine p.m. on this very network. Um, Tom Conwell is on actually on the UPRN live show, which is two to four p.m. Eastern. UPRNTalkRadio.com. He's a big UFO guy. He has uh, things about sightings across the country and across the world. Better information than most people have. And Mary Rodwell here on late night in the Midlands.com, Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Mary Rodwell will be joining us. She specializes in research and counseling of contactees, people who have had contact with non terrestrial beings. And it's fascinating stuff. And she works with hybrids and. Uh, Starseeds and Indigo Children, fascinating, fascinating. Join us for that. And Victor Sykes, the free ebook, uh, VictorSykes.com/slash/free-ebook. Right? Victor? That's it. Yes. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. Boy, we have to have more time with you sometime. That was fast. Yeah, yeah this was 
This was fun. Yeah, it did fly by. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we barely scratched the surface, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much stuff to talk about. So, yeah, I hope you can join us again. Yeah. As you're here, yeah. I'll, I'll poach you, too. I'd like to have you on Kindness Beyond the Veil also. So, so and yeah. there I'm is, willing to be poached. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. We do have Facebook pages we want to put out there, too. Um, Kindness Beyond the Veil on Facebook as well as Supernatural Realm Radio on Facebook. Uh, you can go there for upcoming guests that we have. Their bios are always there. And uh, I encourage our listeners to check out those pages. That we yes, have we would Facebook. love for you to like us on Facebook. And don't forget uh, to donate to this network because, you know, it's coming that time of the month where we need bills paid. So I appreciate uh, the listeners uh, to support us. Uh, they can become late-nighters on uh, latenightinthemidlands.com as well to get all the archives of uh, our night, the next show, Late Night in the Midlands uh, with Michael Vera. Uh, you can go back years to listen to those archives because they're all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tonight, though, uh, it won't be Michael Vera. It will be Tim Roxbury and Chip <laughs> Reichenthal guest hosting. So you're more than welcome to not touch that dial, folks. Uh, and Timmy, I'll leave the rest up to you. Brother. Anything else, Chip, you'd like to say? we got like two minutes left. <coughs> we got what? Victor, we got two minutes left if anybody else. Oh, has. yeah. Well, yeah, just take, again, Victor, uh, the information for you, uh, I'd read it, but it would just sound com- uh, better coming from you, Victor. So, well, your website and for the free ebook. Uh, oh, for our okay. Listeners. One more time it's yeah. victorsykes.com slash free dash ebook to get your free book and see what you think. Awesome. Well, you, you know, I'll contact get my... me there. If, if anybody wants to email me, there's a contact form there and I'll talk back to you. Excellent. Yeah. You know, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Uh, and the books, man, you know, awesome. I mean, just the material there. And I think it really is important for people and yes, makes a great holiday gift. But I think, you know, because here's a guy that can make us all aware of things that we can be protective of, uh, watchful for, you know, for when people are subliminally trying to manipulate us for whatever reason. Uh, It gives us our own personal strength and personal power. So highly recommend these books by Victor Sykes and for those VictorSykes.com and Amazon.com as well. And including Kindles and audiobooks. Just say it, because that's yeah. fascinating stuff. It's a great time having you here, Victor. We got a lot of information out, and there's probably still a lot we didn't talk about tonight. So uh, oh, I'd love yeah. to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. Either yeah. Here I think or... we could go on for a long time. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't even be a struggle, you know? Piece of cake, man. I could talk to you for hours. But boy, is, these, these couple fun. hours just sure flew by there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they sure. did. Yeah. Boy, we think it was a good that. time. Yeah. See that? Well, that's you know, that's us, man. Yep. We're, we're on the the good time guys. We we gotta go up next. Kitten late night in the Midlands with uh, yours truly. And <laughs> yours next. truly too. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> good night, everybody. Thanks, Victor, for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank good you, night, Victor. Guys. You're phenomenal. And thank you all for listening. We love you. Take care. Good night. Well, Chip, we got to go. It's uh, right. it's that time. It's that time. All right. Good night, everybody.
You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. God, I love the station. 